0: Welcome to For The Culture podcast where we and our guests discuss our lived experiences in science. This podcast explores how our work and mere presence impact our culture today. This podcast is an
1: unfiltered conversation and really more of a therapy session where we can vent
2: and um, hopefully the audience can benefit from our experiences.
3: This podcast provides a platform for emerging and current scientists to discuss their development as individuals and community leaders in order to help and improve our culture.
0: Well, Welcome back to the show. I am your co-host Lawrence, along with my boy Kofi K and Ian S, Ian Saunders, Kofi Comic Kush. We are for the culture, back with another episode. We got a great one in store for you today. Special guest is in the building, so without further ado, let me give you an introduction to who she is. Today we have Ms. Alexis S. Mobley, who is a sixth and final year doctoral candidate in the Neuroscience and Immunology programs at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center UT Health Graduate School of Biomedical Sciences. She is a researcher in the Department of Neurology at the McGovern Medical School under the mentorship of Dr. Aronowski and Dr. McCullough. Alexis received her bachelor's degree in biochemistry from the Angelo State University and then completed a master's degree in biotechnology at Texas Tech Health Science Center in Abilene. Alexis, Alexis' current work focuses on the communication between immune cells in the brain of aged mice models and sex difference. She is also the president, interim treasurer, and co-founder of Black and Immuno and co-founder, of the Black and Disabled in Higher Education, a series of Black academic organizations focused on helping Black people thrive in their academic realms. Alexis enjoys mentoring students, working on effective scientific communication, and advocating for underrepresented groups, which is awesome. Outside of the lab, she serves on the board of directors and sings for the International Voices Houston, a nonprofit organization that uses choral singing to uh, create global harmony by celebrating and giving voice to human difference. As hobbies, Alexis likes to read, play video and board games, and spend time with her, and spends time with her family, comprising her daughter and a rescue dog Izzy. Without further ado, join us in welcoming to the show, Alexis. Mobly. Welcome Alexis. How's it
1: going?
0: It's going great. How are you? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, we don't have a soundboard yet, but uh, uh you know, right? oh, yeah, we gotta get a soundboard or something. We'll put it actually, in a yeah. post. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Is there anything about your uh, introduction that I I left out or you like to add before we uh, continue?
1: No, it's pretty comprehensive. <laughs> I know I do a lot. Sometimes I listen to my own intro and I'm like, man, I'm already tired.
0: Um, <laughs> wear the snacks and awesome. a blanket. <laughs> I used to always like, as a younger, young, young scientist, like undergrad, people get, like higher ups used to get introduced to do these big talks. I'm like, oh my god, how do how do they have a resume that long? But like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're accumulating these resumes yeah. as we speak. Yeah. So like, I could I can imagine five, ten years down the road, it's gonna take like. <laughs> Rather <laughs> have somebody else introduce me, like.
1: Yeah, tell my book. <laughs> like, just read my book. There you go. <laughs> it
0: forward. Yeah, but without further ado, um, uh, as 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 with every guest, we really like to kind of get a, a background into your uh, <laughs> what kind of led you into STEM, led you into science. So, if you could just kind of give us a, an idea of how um, what sparked your interest in science and what led you to uh, doing work in neurology.
1: Yeah, so I've always loved science. Like, I can't remember a day in my life where I wasn't fascinated with science. Um, My love actually started with uh, geology and rocks. Um, I've collected rocks and gemstones my entire life. Um, I I have tons, like, all over my apartment. Um, Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But I, I love it. Um, even my friends, when they go places, they know just to get me a rock and they don't even have to pay for it. They'll just be like, I found this cool rock on the ground. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) And then I tag it and put it somewhere. Um, And so that, that kind of transformed into um, space and, and geo, um, astro geosciences. Um, And then I realized that physics was just a little too abstract for me. Um, And so, I still, I still enjoyed science. I tried like the math side of it, actually, um, when I was in sixth grade for my science fair project, um, I discovered a ratio for it's called the Tetranacci sequence. So, you know, Fibonacci is like zero one, one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's another equivalent sequence called Tetranacci. So it's instead of doing every two numbers, you do every four. Um, and so there's a special ratio and that uh, data set as well. Um, and just being able with that project, I was actually able to talk to a lot of people um, at in academic universities, and they helped keep like fulfilling that that scientific drive um, in me, and so I eventually. Um, then got caught up in genetics Um, you know I don't exactly remember when the human genome project happened but I you know in my lifespan but I know it happened during my lifespan and I was super fascinated by that I was like four letters and all this stuff like this is awesome I'm gonna crack it you know we're gonna do all these cool things Um, and so I ended up doing biochemistry and and getting into genetics and just getting like really heavy into that Um, I had a, a professor an unofficial mentor that I was actually doing pre-med um and he was like you you don't have bedside manner um, <laughs> what are you doing um you need to go do research and I was like okay that's solid like I was like you're not wrong <laughs> and so um I I ended up going um doing biotechnology where i was still doing cancer biology um and i came to md anderson with every intention of doing cancer biology i was going to do t-cell therapeutics i had a whole thing like i was like it's going to happen i'm going to do car t-cells um i was also interested in kind of like the whole natural thing so i was like we're going to figure out how to like get all this together Um, And then I, um, what's nice about this program is it's an umbrella program. So you don't have to choose your major coming in. Um, And they, they definitely tell you to go and explore. Um, And so I had learned throughout my life, just explore, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to stumble upon. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, And so I explored neuroscience um, and that's where I heard one of my mentors um, give her talk about um, aging and sex differences and how that really affects stroke patients, Um, and just how enthusiastic she was about the science and the things that she knew um, and how she interacted with her students as well that were there Um, and also how successful her students were. Um, And so that's how I accidentally stumbled into doing neuroinflammation work. Um, Even though I was trained as an immunologist, you know, I I went into her lab to talk to her. She's like, how much do you know about neuroscience? I was like, oh, electricity, firing, that's about it. (laughs) she's like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you know, um, I was like, but I'm a great immunologist. And I was like, I can, you know, I can adapt and learn. And so that's exactly what I've done. Um, and so that's how I ended up where I am now. Just a bunch of happy, lucky accidents um, and an intrigue that helped me to keep exploring.
2: So I feel like before we proceed further, we should probably give you the opportunity to, uh, in as much layman terms as you can, describe uh your current research uh as, as well as your past research if, if you would like
1: yeah absolutely um so i guess kind of how the story goes you know again i was always interested in, in cancer and cancer is a disease of aging um and so what really fascinated me is i used a different model i used bats actually to look at some um one of the most common cancer genes which is uh p53 um, because bats for a small mammal, they, they live up to like 30, 40 years and they don't get cancer. Um, but just about every other animal does, you know, I think the only other animal that doesn't is naked mole rats. Um, and so with my advisor who she does a lot of mammology and defining, um, different groups of bats, you know, she let me take this project and kind of go with it. Um, and so we ended up finding, a, an insert in this gene, which we're assuming is, um, beneficial to bats um, and how they're able to fight cancer better Um, and so of course with my cancer story I then moved over to biotechnology Um, that was also an accident Um, I um, I had applied to a bunch of PhD programs and they all rejected me Um, and so I called her my biochemistry mom she was actually my undergraduate mentor she had done some digging and searching around and she actually found a new program at Texas Tech in Abilene Um, And so they were looking for their first class of students. So their enrollment and applications were running later than usual enrollments. Um, And so I got to meet the director of the program. um, And he was like, he's very business entrepreneurial. You know, that's how biotech is, right? (laughs) And so we started talking and he's like, he's like, you have to do an application because I need to have it on file. But he's like, you're already in, like, don't even worry about it. I was like, all right. Um, so um i ended up going into biotechnology and so again i was doing cancer therapeutics um and so for that one we were just looking at antibodies um and you know they always have wobble and so my project was looking at the wobble and different antibodies and trying to figure out ways to get rid of bad candidates before we moved them into clinical trials um which of course we know like You know, mice don't always translate to humans. You know, they don't have like a gag response or anything like that. So some of those things you don't catch. Um, And so I worked on making both labeled assays um, and unlabeled assays to be able to get like the kinetics of these antibodies um, and putting drugs onto these antibodies as well. Um, And so that was really fun. Um, I learned a lot. I got to work with several companies um, at the same time while I was doing this. So I did get some like small biotech startup experience as well. Um, and then from there, you know, I finally had some extra training, um, got into my PhD program. Um, and so like I said, now I'm, I'm still interested in this whole aging and, and sex differences, you know, um, how I've always approached science is I understand that we have to keep things simple, but life isn't simple. And I feel like that's why a lot of drugs end up failing, uh, once they get into clinical trials. Um, and so I think it's always really important that we look at, the components that are going to be important later. And so that's why when my PI was like, we use age mouse models because stroke happens in aging. Like we include female mice that a lot of people don't include in their studies. Um, And she was actually pivotal with working with the NIH to ensure that people explain why they aren't using female mice in their models. Um, And so um, with those two, she's like, since stroke really affects these two groups, why aren't we doing our, our, our data in these models. And so I thought that was really awesome. Um, But they also gave me the independence to do what I wanted to do as well. Um, And so um, even though I'm looking at aging and sex differences, I don't really have stroke. um, And I'm looking at a completely different cell type than what they usually look at in the lab. Um, But just being able to look at risk factors, um, I think is still important leading up to however we're going to translate the data in the future. Um, And so I'm super excited about what
3: I get to do seems pretty cool. Um, So I have a question. I am a cancer biologist, biochemist, by training. Um, But currently in my postdoc, I'm working with immunology as well. So (laughs) trying to learn like the marriage between the two. Uh, So I guess my question is, how was that for you? You know, you were a trained immunologist beforehand. Um, It seems like you had a lot of different experiences that gave you, you know, some time to have some experience with these other different fields as well. But going into neuro, um, could you speak on how you kind of married create a marriage between those two giant fields? And what is that like, uh, incorporating those ideas between the two?
1: Yeah. So it was terrifying at first. Let me be honest. Um, you know, I feel like these are two of the biggest, most complicated fields out there. Um, and they really do touch every part of your body. You know, you can't not do something without having either an immune cell or like a neuron, um, in that area. Um, And so it was really interesting, especially for me, because I had grown up up until, I mean, grown up, but I mean, I started immunology in undergrad. (laughs) Um, And so I I had heard commonly that the brain's immune privileged, immune cells and neurons don't do anything together. It's not a big deal, you know, Uh, don't worry about it. Um, But then coming into the field and seeing that, no, there are scientists that have been writing about this for a while um, was really kind of cool. So I had to really kind of jump in headfirst and just find like a bunch of reviews um, and just get in there and try to understand like the neuroscience really components to it. Thankfully, I, you know, I understood the immunology side. So now it was just trying to like, okay, what are the the big things in our field? What are the things that are going to be really um, important here? Um, And then try to stay laser focused on those components. um, Because like I said, both fields are huge. um, And I mean, Yes, I spent years on my PhD, but I could spend many, many, many more PhDs just trying to really dive into different components um, of, of both of these systems. Um, and so it took it also took some imagination um, and, and some leaning in in some circumstances, especially with me designing my own project, um, because the cell type I'm looking at, it's, it's really new. It's only been discovered within like the last 12 years um, and so it was really taking bits and pieces of like, okay, I kind of remember seeing this here, and I kind of remember seeing this here, and okay, maybe they can fit together, and okay, that that's not quite right, so you know, what's the, what's that piece that's going to link them together? So it was it was definitely kind of more of like a hodgepodge, you know, like... May not look fantastic, but it works. Um, And then just kind of going from there. Um, And so, yeah, I I definitely had to learn how to be flexible um, and not as rigid with a lot of this, Um, especially like I said, a lot of the textbooks, especially that you read and that you kind of hear a lot of, it's just like This is this and this is this and this is this. But then once you start getting into the literature, you're finding out there's a lot more gray um, to both of the areas. Um, So what shade of gray are you going to focus on, um, and and enjoy?
0: Awesome. This is a great advice to give to like you know emerging scientists and people trying to figure out what their project is going to be. So thank you for sharing that because I know it resonates with a lot of people. Um, You mentioned earlier that your your willingness to be open and to kind of allow your curiosity and opportunities kind of guide your path. But you also talk about some people that were in those positions that, that kind of helped you. So could you talk about the power the or the importance of mentorship and how you kind of, uh, uh, you know, nurtured those relationships and the importance of those in your life right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, mentorship has been Absolutely vital um, throughout my experience and learning what type of mentorship I thrive under and how other people thrive. Um, it's definitely a very um, intimate and confusing dance, um, to say the least. Um, like I said, I had my my biochemistry mom. She was the head of the bio uh, the biochemistry department in my undergrad, um, and so she had just kind of, you know, she, she talks to everybody, but, you know, I've always been kind of bright, kind of bright. I've always been bright. Um, (laughs) And so that was something that um, she really kind of latched onto, but the fact that I was able to explain, like, like, these are kind of what my dreams are and and what I want to do. And so she took those and was able to, to really guide me in those circumstances and also understands my fears as well, um, with certain things. Um, I'm the first person in my family to get a graduate degree, um, and a first person really to be in science. So of course, anything, they're like, okay, so what are you doing again? (laughs) and so that was, that was really good that she was able to still like nurture that and, and help me motivate that, you know, motivate those things in me. And that's how I kind of found not only my research, um, my research mentor, as well for undergrad, is because I was in her um her summer class and I, I've always just taken things very seriously. She's like, You you just pick up on these concepts really well. I think you would do great in my lab. And I was like, That's convenient. At the time I wanted to do clinical laboratory science. Um, and so I was like, I can learn all the techniques and then go get my certification. Um, and she was like, you know, you're really bright and I can see that you're making these connections. And so that's why she let me develop my own project again. Out, kind of outside the scope of what she does, but within the context of her research. Um, and then again, with my O'Chem um, my professor, it was the same thing. It was just, you know, I would say things, I was really comfortable in his class um, and we just ended up clicking. He was very just like straight to the point, um, but he was younger. He had just started his career. Um, and so that really helped me as well. Um, and so a lot of my mentors for me, and that's something that I needed, were a little bit more hands-off um, they just kind of let me do what I wanted to do, um, and that was actually really great for me because they knew I was able to make these connections. But I also have the confidence of being uh, being able to say, "I don't know what's going on, um, and I need help," you know. And so they trusted me to be able to do to do both, um, and so that worked really, really well. Um, and it was kind of funny cause my, my master's degree, my, my PI is introverted and I'm also surprisingly very introverted. Um, so that was always kind of funny when well, we both needed to like talk to each other cause we were like doing this weird introvert dance. <laughs> um, and usually as an introvert, I try to latch on to extroverts, um, especially for like networking and stuff. I'm like, okay, you can do all the talking and then get all the small talk out and then I'll come in and do the business after the fact, you know? Um, so that was always kind of funny, but, um, Now with my PhD, I still wanted, I had always been in very small labs um, and I realized I didn't really thrive too well in small labs. So I wanted something bigger. Um, And so that's how I got um, both of my PIs and now I'm in a, a big lab. One of my labs has like probably close to 70 people. I think we have like 10 PIs um you know we're, we almost have an entire floor on the, in the medical school um so we're, we're taking over um and then my main PI his lab is really small so I kind of get the best of both worlds um and that and that component but the fact that again they were they were hands off you know they asked me what do you want out of your PhD um and so I was able to tell them specifically like these are my goals this is what I want and this is how I think you can help me get there and they were like you're right, we can do this, you know, and we were able to set out really clear goals. And So even though they're hands off, again, they were able to trust that whenever I came in, like, I don't understand this, you know, I'm digging in the literature, trying to figure it out. Um, And so then we could go and troubleshoot together from there. And so I think discovering who you are as a person and like what you need from people and then just being very upfront. And I know that can be super scary because you know, there's always these weird power dynamics, um, especially in academia. But if you're not able to be like honest and upfront about what you need from somebody, and they can't give that to you, like you're just going to be wasting your time. And you're going to be really frustrated. And so there, there's nothing in this world that's worth your peace and your peace of mind. Um, and especially for however long your education is going to be, um, you know, I've been what four, five, six plus, so I've been in higher ed for 12 years, like I couldn't imagine being miserable for 12 years, you know, um, like that's, and that's during, you know, a really crucial part of your life. Um, and so you, you learn, you learn how to navigate that you learn, like I said, you learn things about yourself, you learn tricks of the trade. Um, you learn how to do those things. Like I said, I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me is learning to latch onto an extrovert. Um, and just about most of my PIs, except for my masters, were extroverts. So that was great. So I'd go to conferences and everybody's like, Why are you always with the PIs? I'm like, because I don't I don't know what to do. And they know all the people and they'll show me around. I'm like, oh yeah, here's my student. I'm like, hey. Um, and they're like, you want to know what? That's really smart. And so then now there would be like a little group of us like walking around with the PI. Um, just so hey, that it they works, can right?
0: Introduce us. It does
1: work. <laughs> and so, I mean, like if nothing else, like if you're not really good at any of that networking, just find you an extrovert. Um, and they'll, they'll adopt you and they'll take you around and be super happy. Um, and then once you feel like you've done enough connecting, then you can go and hide away somewhere in the conference, which I'm also really good about doing. People will be like, where did you go? I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm ready to talk again. So um, yeah, mentorship is just, it's very, very important. Um, it's very pivotal to your work and, and your success. And so um again, there's things that you'll learn. Um, you know, even sometimes people may seem ideal up front um, and they're not. Um, and again, you you learn something from that. Um, nothing's permanent. Um, you know, there you can usually bounce back from things. And so just finding those people, um, even an admin, you know, the staff, the faculty, that those can be mentors as well. Um, you know, people think, oh, it's only the direct person, but I mean, those are just the, you know, just a few people. But I mean, I have so many unofficial mentors that have really cultivated what I do and really have like spoken into my life. And if it wasn't for those people, I definitely wouldn't be where I am um, as as well because they saw things on me that I didn't know. Um, like I said, the whole bedside manner thing, you know, <laughs> um, you know, you know, my bedside manner, like, all right, you know, that's solid. Um, you know, my other PI is just like, you would do better like here. Um, and even with, you um, I I don't think I had it in my bio, but like the SMDP biotech program, um, talking to my mentor, like she really helped me pinpoint a job just for me describing the things that I'm really good at um, because I didn't know. Um, And She's like, you would do really good here. Um, You would thrive really well here. And so that's been really great um, as well. It's just sometimes letting people see those things on you um, to help guide you, especially if you don't know.
2: My question, um, I feel like kind of piggybacks on what you were talking about to an extent uh, and really kind of lessons you learned, one of them being to, you know, in, in order to make up for where you may lack to latch on the people who, you know, who, who are actually strong in that in that area, you know, so that you can, so you can then come in and, you know, show the areas that you're strong at. Uh, and so I'm just curious, you know, what else have you learned along uh, the, journey. (laughs) It it seemed like it's been kind of crazy. So what what else have you learned about yourself along the
1: way? Um, What else have I learned about myself? I've learned that I am definitely not necessarily a patient person, um, which doesn't necessarily translate well in science, Um, (laughs) uh, when things are are a little bit more start-stop than what you want. Um, And so that's been a a little complicated. Um, But I think the other thing that I really learned in science is that I I love communication, um, and people, and I feel like scientists should be a lot more forward-facing than what we are. Um, I feel like people always imagine um, kind of like the lab rat, you know, just kind of in the back, like, we don't talk, we don't do things out, you know, out in real life, like, oh, you'll never see a scientist. Like, I almost feel like it's like a celebrity occurrence, you know? (laughs) Um, um, Like, every time I would go to my child's school, like, all the kids would just be like, "Oh my gosh, that's the scientist! Look at the Oh my gosh, look at the scientist!" I'm like, "Okay, you know, like I'll take my flowers, thank you guys." You know, um, and I, I definitely had to learn how to communicate, like I said, especially being with family that's not in science, um, really pursuing bigger and better things, which is exactly what you should do. You know, each generation, right? Um, and so I had to learn how to. As a, it's still essentially code switching between academic and the public um, and making sure that people understand that like I know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, I always felt like I, of course I had to be bigger and better with a lot of things. And so I think being able to show that communication also really solidifies that for people. Um, and so I, I learned how to talk um, and, and be able to do these things. And I think that's helped me a lot because then, like I said, most people don't know I'm a scientist um, until they're like, oh, what do you do? And then I can tell them what I'm doing. And they're also invested now into my research. And they're just excited as I am and able to spread the word. Um, and then, like I said, then you find those other connections that way because then people are like, oh, I know I know this one scientist person and they're really good at XYZ. You should go talk to them. Um, and so I think that's, that's also really important. Um, I also learned that like work-life balance and really taking time for yourself is also really vitally important and I know I feel like everybody talks about that but I I definitely learned that compartmentalizing my life um, and having things inside and outside of science have been so important for my health um, and just me thriving as a person Um, so even when I first moved here to Houston I had my list of things I was like I decided that I was going to start tennis again, so I signed up for a tennis club, um, and that was, like, the very first thing I did, and I was able to network that way, Um, and then my best friend, I found out that she sings, and I was like, well, maybe I'll start singing again, too, Um, and so that's how I got involved in the choir, Um, and then I also had my science, so It's really nice because things are going to break down in life, um, no matter what, it's always going to happen. But now you kind of have something else to lean on and you don't have to depend on that one thing. So when your science isn't working, which like 95% of the time, it's not going to work. okay, I have choir to lean on. I can go listen to my music. I can go get in, you know, I can fill these crescendos and you know these these tensions in the notes um, and then if I get sick and I can't sing today well it's okay I have tennis um, and I may not be running that fast on the court but at least I can slug as hard as I want to because I'm frustrated um, and so you're you're able to kind of use those emotions and, and get those out and other things but then if I don't want to think about the science and it's like okay I'm going to just focus on tennis. I'm just going to focus on the music. Um, And so that's, that's been also really important. And so I always try to stress that to people um, as well. And then just being honest, um, even in my communication, being honest in my communication um, and like, you know, I I always tell people that no is really important, but again, I know power dynamics can be really hard. So my new favorite term is not right now. Um, And that's usually been really nice for people because they, are able to hear, okay, you acknowledge that this is important, but you can't get to it right now. Um, And so um, that's usually what I tell people. Um, They're like, I just, I can't say no. I was like, "Then say not right now, you know, and then either they're going to forget and you don't ever have to do it, or they're going to remember and it gets put on your plate um, at a time that's more convenient for you. You know, I was like, so no matter what for you, it's win-win for that person, they feel heard you're doing all right okay, okay. i think i could i think i could do that one not right now all right let me write that down so um i think for me those have been probably the the biggest things that i've definitely learned um throughout this career and i kind of wish in some ways i would have known that sooner but um you know that's life you live learn and
3: visions 2020 right um, so I have a question. You mentioned that you have a child um, and you're going through this Ph.D. process. Every time I meet, I have fellow classmates uh, that I was, you know, of course, in classes with and in this Ph.D. journey. And some of them had children, you know, towards the end of the program or in the middle of the beginning. Um, so I'm always fascinated to hear, you know, your perspective on how did you juggle that? I think you briefly talked on uh, about, you, you know, your work-life balance and all of those things but I'm interested to hear in this perspective um how would you communicate science or the importance of STEM with your child as they grow and develop are you a parent who I know a lot of parents who like take them to different science fairs to kind of like get that interest early is that something that you're looking into and uh do you have any recommendations for parents who have young children who may start to show interest in science as well
1: yeah so um My child has been with me through my entire academic career. Um, I actually had her between semesters of my first um, full time uh, uh, in college. So my freshman year, so I had her December. Um, So that was pretty ridiculous because I know the doctor was like, you're not gonna have her until like the beginning of the next semester. I was like, no, I'm not because I have class. (laughs) So you need to figure that one out. (laughs) But that was definitely an interesting concept. um, Trying to juggle that to say the least. Um, But I always incorporated my child into my science. Um, So, you know, they're always like, you need to read to your child. And people are like, okay, you know, here's my old McDonald farm book. Um, And I would be like, here's a scientific article. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, she didn't understand a lick of it. Um, But then it was also really nice because, you know, sometimes they have really nice pictures. And so she'd be like, you know, what does this mean? And I would just say, oh, this means that like, this good thing is going up because we have more of this color. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, And then with those small concepts, we could then go and build up uh, onto more and more complicated things. Um, So if you need somebody that knows how to do Eliza's and read them, she can do that. If you need somebody that can wash your flow tubes and mix your antibodies, she can do that as well. So (laughs) I keep telling her you're gonna pay these bills someday because I'm gonna retire. I'm going to get old and I'm not going into a retirement home. So you're going to have skills. Um, And so, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, I, what's nice is that I feel like I always have that kind of childlike curiosity. And so being able to kind of center around those same questions has been really pivotal for me and taking the time to just say, Oh, here's these cool things, you know, Um, and we're, we're both nerdy. So we're able to watch sci-fi like, I mean, yes, I know it's not a kid show, but we're watching The Expanse right now. Um, And so she'll kind of come in and out. And so I can kind of explain the science of like The Expanse um, because she's really into space and science. So we'll watch like the International Space Station live feed. We'll watch documentaries. We'll watch all these different things. Um, And I think that's just something that um, I think as a parent, even if you're not interested in it, but being able to like cultivate those things and still understand um, how to do that, you know, Um, And that's been really important for us and just us interacting and then us learning together. So if she asked me a question, I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I'll go look it up, you know? (laughs) Um, And so then we're able to learn together or, you know, she'll, I don't know what that means. And then she'll say, Hey, I'll do the research. And then, you know, she comes back with her little, her little notepad and like, this is what I learned. And I'm like, this is, this is great. You know, um, and I think being able to ask questions and both of us admit when we don't know, when we you know, when we don't know what we don't know. Um, and we've been able to grow together in that, that aspect. And so I think um, if you have to take the time to explain in a childlike fashion to get people to understand, then you fundamentally understand what you're doing. And so that's also made things a lot better. So it's even like with COVID and everything that's going on, a lot of people ask me questions. Because I know like I can ask you these questions safely. And like I know you won't, oh well, that's a simple question. Why would you ask me? Like, you know, or like, why don't you know this? Like, you know, um, and I don't take that for granted because I didn't learn, like I said, I don't learn immunology until my senior year of undergrad. Um, so my entire life, you know, not a lick of immunology until then. And so I I take that very personally. Um, I feel like if I didn't know it, then there's a lot of other people that don't know it. And so I, I take that as kind of, I guess, my personal vendetta um, to help educate people. If, if you're feeling safe enough to ask me the question, then I will create that space so that I can answer it um, and we'll grow together. Um, and so, yeah, it's been it's been complicated. It's been interesting. <laughs> um, but I think it's also been really rewarding um, in the same way because then I learned how to communicate and bring it down Um, to somebody, and even talking about kids, I actually just had a, um, I've been mentoring a family friend, Um, he's in kindergarten, um, and he just did the science fair, actually, about hand washing. Um, and he went to district, Um, he got second place at school, he went to district, and he didn't place, but he did fantastic, and his project was amazing, Um, and I'm so proud of him, Um, and so, um, you know, it's just kids, kids are curious, and as long as you don't shut down those questions, as long as you don't make them feel, lesser than um then it's gonna be fine and as i also tell people as i tell kids i was like do you want to get into magic because if you do get into science <laughs> and you'll you get to do magic every day um you know you get to play every day um and and it's really fun especially once you find your groove and, and what you're good at like y- you won't be bored any day of the week
0: that's amazing uh oh and side note I do. I love The Expanse. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> so good.
1: Yeah, I was like, I, I was binge watching it, and then I stopped a little bit because I was like, I really want to like dedicate time. Like I said, I usually have TV on when I'm like reading articles and stuff, and I'm like, no, this is something that needs my undivided
0: attention.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm pretty far now. I'm I'm a professional binge watcher as well, so I awesome. can probably finish it in like a weekend. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm almost there. I think I'm like halfway through. <laughs>
0: Stick with it. Um, so you did mention COVID-19. And you know, as we all know, uh 2020 was, you know, the craziest year to date so far. We still have some time to go <laughs> as things are constantly changing. But also for 2020, it was a very transform transformational year for many people, including us as a as a as a podcast. That's when the idea, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the idea of this podcast came about because we had conversations about the stressors of school and dealing with the social injustice of things going out on outside of our labs and just everything. So we came together and had conversations, started having conversations via Zoom. And we were like, hey, we should you know, share this with the world. And so saying all that, I w- I'm interested to know how black and immunology started as well because a lot of um, black and X, black and cancer Mm-hmm. Um, Black and physiology. All those groups started like on Twitter, and it gave gave us a community for Black people in science to come together and to share their experiences in science. So, could you talk about how that group was founded, and um, and the purpose of the group?
1: Yeah. So, just to start with our our mission statement, you know, as Black and Immuno, our goal is to amplify, celebrate, and support Black voices in immunology. Um, and it, for me, it's been so important for me, um, you know, as a lot of us, we were, excuse me, you know, the couple of raisins in the, the bowl of milk, um, and just never had anybody or, or anything, you know, that you could really identify with, um, you know, especially after the, the murder of George Floyd, um, I, I got very frustrated, um, because I felt like, there's all this going on, but what am I doing? You know, what am I making better? And so in that process, um, you know, I, I'd gotten involved in Black and, Black and Neuro um, as a, as a member, a spectator, if you will. And I was like, you know, man, I would love something like this for immunology. Um, And so one of the co-founders, Joel, um, I forgot how we had even linked up, honestly, but he had, put out a tweet. I think it was. And then I think somebody had tweeted it back to me. and was like, Hey, yo, like you should get involved with this. So I just kind of subtweeted um, like, man, you know, I would really love to help plan this. I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> and he ended up DMing me, which just like, Oh yeah, like I'll send you the information for the planning and everything. And so the, I believe I was the last co-founder to, to hop on with the group. Um, as as well as like Elaine was already there and Justine and Medina, um, and so we really sat down and we're trying to figure out how to make immunology and you know just highlight so many amazing works of, of immunologists. You know, I still laugh about it because when we did Black and Immuno Week, we were like, okay, so what Black immunologists do we know? And like we we're just all sitting in the Zoom room, just like pointing to each other. <laughs> <laughs> We're like outside of this room. Uh... <laughs> um, don't know. Um, and so we really understood how important it was for us to find other immunologists um, and bring everybody together. And so for me, it's been great because I felt like I have actually done something. Um, I had. I actually just saw um, a tweet the other day that was talking about. You know, you, you may be pulling on your thread. this whole thing and feel like you're not doing anything but remember that everything is interconnected so as you're pulling your thread once you finally get that loose you're going to help unravel everything else that's going on um and so just you know kind of find your thread and keep tugging on that and, and and doing those things and honestly by doing black and immuno and just like amplifying other voices again i've been able to network as you guys have discussed like Find other Black people, find other Black immunologists. You know, when we have Black and Immuno Week, I tell people it's like a family reunion. I'm like, hey, cuz, like, where are you doing? How's your science going? You know, like, I don't have to worry about, like, what are you talking about? You know, I can just kind of, you know, thrive and, and talk about my science just unfettered. Um, And, and I'm, I don't want to say dumbed down, but, you know, it's a whole different experience to be able to just talk the way you talk because sometimes translating is just it can be exhausting and trying to find examples um and so it's nice to to be in that space and know okay there's other people that are out here we're all across the country um which I think that has also and all across the world we've been able to like reach so many global individuals even our our last black and Immuno week we did have attendees on every habitable continent um in the world so I was excited about that for our second year. Um, But then I get to work with um, a lot of other organizations. I get to work with directors. It's just been wonderful seeing people that care um, and that are trying. Um, You know, it's not always perfect, but that's been my way of kind of contributing to all of this and and also um, being fulfilled. Um, And as my mom always said, you know, use your powers for good. Um, And so I feel like this is kind of my good that I'm using with my, with my powers um, and just bringing up people um, as well in the process. You know, as I, as I tell a lot of the group, it's not about me. I don't like a lot of stuff, especially with like black and amino week. I hate like having to do anything. Um, I I like being in the background. I do like all the logistics. Um, And I know this year they're like, you have to give the presidential address. I was like, do I have to though? Um, Can we just like, Alexis, you have got to say something to the people. I'm like, okay I was like are you sure they're like yes as they like click it on I'm like hi everybody <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to do this this isn't about me you know this is about other people um and that's that's definitely I think something that I'm good at is just like really lifting up other people um and helping them figure out how they shine and so that's been my contribution of just pouring into other cups and and kind of planting those seeds that people may not have had before um and helping them in that way
0: Thank, thank you for that. Thank you for what you do.
1: Yeah.
2: No, that's an amazing story. Um, man, that was, that was, that was everything. <laughs> Honestly, you like, kind of just wrapped up, you know. Uh, I mean, that was a great segue to what Morris was talking about regarding, you know, how we got this podcast started. Um, like you said, we were all kind of feeling, you know, like we should be doing more, you know, whatever, whatever that more in in quotations you know might be real we could, we could do more and should do more and um it's just always inspiring to me to hear people actually doing more um and so i think that kind of tackles you know what I, what i was was going to ask you previously about you know what are you doing to or wh- what were you doing or what would you want to do to advance health health equity um uh, so instead of that i will ask uh a question that i that i'm not really a fan of because you know, I feel like it's a bit limiting in some ways, but where do you, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? You know, what are your long, long long-term goals? We we discussed some of your short-term ones. So what do you, uh, ultimately see yourself?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, long-term I I'm, I'm applying for jobs right now. So I'm hoping to get some type of clinical, um, trial manager, associate, you know, there's so many different words for the same thing, right? Um, but program management um, or, or like regulatory affairs, strategic business, um, I'm very good at logistics and just putting pieces together and keeping people on task. Um, or scientific writing, it seems really like different, but it's also, I, I enjoy editing, I enjoy writing, I'm very good at communications. Um, and so I just wanna keep keep doing that in different manners. Um, and so I want to do that, but I think ultimately long-term, I I would really love to be head of a a center of innovation for a company. Um, I'm, I'm very good at connecting ideas, um, but I'm also very good at weeding through the BS. Um, and unfortunately with science, there's a lot of BS and I feel like a lot of companies, um, latch on to that and it's I don't think it's inherently one person's fault so it's not like I'm like eh, how could you um but it's it's something that's we we really need to work on. Um and again like I said I, I do aging and sex differences work and I think it's really important that we integrate we integrate those types of ideas into the research that we're seeing beforehand um and really understanding um, a lot of these differences. I mean, even with cancer research, a lot of the, the stuff that they use, even in the humanized mice or in young mice, um, of course, like you put cancer in, you know, younger, younger people, they're going to be able to fight it a lot better because they have a really comprehensive immune system. Um, so what are we doing for the people that don't, you know, what are we doing for these comorbidities? What are we doing for disabled people? Um And so I want to be able to bring that voice and those ideas um, to the pharmaceutical companies that are then trying to pursue pursue these ideas. And then hopefully with that, we'll start seeing more therapeutics and we'll see more options for patients um, and we'll see more people thriving. And hopefully that'll also cut down on even other things, you know, long-term, you know, as we say, you know, think big, dream big. And so you know, if I'm finding therapeutics that are able to go through a little bit faster, then we don't have to spend as much money on clinical trials, which means that'll drive down the price of healthcare. And then people will actually have access to this um, instead of, you know, all of five people that can afford this one medication because it's just so cost prohibitive. You know, we we won't need financial assistance programs because the medication's affordable. Um, and so that's that's really my goal is just to be able to influence um influence all of those components. Um, and in five to 10 years, you know, you just working at the ladder, I'm always ambitious. Um, <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. So, I mean, I think I can do it. Um, and so hopefully um, that that will be what I'll be able to do. And, and like I said, just really help patients um, in that manner, since I don't have bedside manner. So <laughs> I'll make your medication affordable. That's the You know, that's, that's, that's the goal. So
3: um, I know you we had kind of moved to a different topic uh, but with working in black and immuno, um, what are some of the things in your experience uh, that you could give to us as some teaching goals and also to others who are looking to start groups um, for African-Americans like ourselves going into these different avenues? What are some tips that you could give of um, these organizations, whether it be with outreach, um, having a defined mission or even like hosting these workshops and other opportunities for people to meet each other? Uh, could you give us a few tips and maybe some of our listeners as well?
1: Yeah, so I would say if if anything, if you're going to get into an organization, um, first of all, find like-minded people um and define what your goal is. Um, I think that really helped us at Black and Immuno um is that we spent most of our meetings, the first few meetings that we had, establishing our code of conduct, establishing our mission statement, establishing Our rules and what they would look like and what they would mean, um, and who are we serving, um, and being clearly, you know, definitive of of that. Like, oh, well, you know, groups always, we knew that we wanted Black folks, but we also know that Black folks have a lot of different intersections. So, are we only dealing with straight Black folks? Are we only dealing with non disabled Black folks? We said, no. We want all Black folks. We want everybody to feel welcome, which means that not only that, but if I do something that's not going to help somebody else thrive, you need to hold me accountable. And so I think having the space to be able to have people, and it's not necessarily saying like everybody in the organization should hold you accountable, but if you have those couple of people that are going to say, I got you, and we're going to make each other better that's definitely what the goal is because you don't ever want to be stagnant your goal is to grow and so you need to be able to understand that growth is going to happen um growth is also uncomfortable um but it's worth it um I think the next thing that I've definitely learned is um if you're going to hold an event try to give yourself as much time as possible to plan it um last year so our first black and immune event let's see we started in september we had the event in november it was great i mean it was phenomenal for what we did um but we wanted more time so we kind of backed up the timeline to july for last year um and so now we're trying to back up to like the beginning of the year you know our goal is to eventually get have at least like three years planned out um and that'll definitely help especially if you want really big people um because these people are booked out (laughs) (laughs) to infinity and beyond um and so the sooner you have dates and can approach people um the better it is um and i mean that's even with people you may say oh these are just like the small people like the graduate students but for me i'm like if you want to book me two years out i will put you on my calendar and so i know when things are coming like it may not be on the forefront of my brain but at least you're on my calendar because then i can set that side of time you know set that time aside for you and you only um and that's been great um And I think doing things boldly and unapologetically is also going to be really important, especially for groups with black people, um, because people are going to say, well, why do you need this? You know? Oh, well, I, I went through this too. So it's not really about race. Um, and it's like, no, you know, don't, don't be gaslit. Like remember what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and like I said, just be unapologetic about it. Um, you know, be black, be proud, um, and, and pull on your thread. You know, that's your thread, and, and and maintain that space. Um, and I would just say, like, the last thing is, um, again, be honest. Um, you know, with our organization, we're all trainees. Um, well, for the most part, we're mostly trainees. Um, and so people drop in, they come in, they come out. Um, you know, our volunteer base is in flux. Um, but with people being again honest and unapologetic about themselves and their situations, we're then able to have the right expectations for our goals and the things that we want to do because we know, okay, we only have two people that are really active right now because life has happened. you know, let's try to recruit more people. um let's try to reach out to more people, let's try to find other things. Um, and so that's helped as well. And don't be afraid to make mistakes um, because we've made a lot. <laughs> And it was it was a learning experience, um, but again, we we all grew together because of it, um, and we've been able to do wonderful things. Um, and so, like I said, and, and take time. Um, uh, so I I was like, there was actually one thing that I was gonna say, but now I remember. Um, uh, the analogy that I like to use is that of like a choir. Again, I, I do sing, but especially with choirs, you know, not only do you have different voice parts but not everybody sings. You have an accompanist, you have the conductor, you have the stage crew, you have the sound, you have the audience. Um, So figure out where you fit. You know, you don't have to be forward facing. You don't have to be, you know, if you don't like heights, you're probably not going to be doing stage lights, you know, at the the top of the, the theater, you know, like that's fair, you know, maybe you're really good at cleaning and you're part of the janitorial crew, that's fine. You know, like all of these parts are important, but not only that, even when you're singing, You know, if we have these very long phrases and one person is not singing for three minutes straight without breathing, we still find ways to sustain ourselves. So if you need to take a break so that you can breathe, do it because you not being present, you're so important and you're the only person that can take care of you the best. So take care of yourself and all of this because it is really hard Um, and take your breath if you need to and lean on other people and, and they'll carry the phrase until you can come back. Um, and, and that's how you work together. You're you're working with people, you're you're feeling them out, you see what they need. Um, you know, like the introvert that latches on to the extrovert. Um, you know, you'll you'll find those spaces and you'll find those people that'll help sustain you. Um, and if people aren't willing to do that for you, if you're not thriving, if you don't feel like you're in the right spot, like don't force yourself to stay there. Again, your peace is what's most important and you taking care of you, like. I give you full permission to be selfish. And if you need the reminder, you can DM me on Twitter and be like, I need permission. And I will send you literally a tweet that says permission so that you have it and you can print it out and you can carry it with you um, because, you know, I feel like sometimes we forget, but you you really have to take care of yourself, especially with everything going on um, because we need you um, and we appreciate you being here. So.
0: Thank you for that Anything, amazing advice. And that applies to all aspects of life, not just creating yeah. an organization, but it's, it's so important to take care of yourself. Self-care is something that uh, we we talk about often in the show and we try to practice, but you know, we're, it's, we're working, we're works in progress. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> you know? it's a
1: learning experience. It really is. I, I won't, I won't deny that. It's not like I woke up one day. It was like, yes, I'm the best at self-care. Like, no. <laughs>
0: Evolution takes time. <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna mix it up a little bit for you. So we 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 talked previously before the show about your love for uh, comedy. So <laughs> I have an interesting question, or it's just different. But so I hear you have a dissertation coming up. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations ahead Dang, of time. Yeah. So say in your dissertation uh, schedule that there was 15 minute uh, comedy set for any comedian of your choice to come on and warm warm up the crowd and get your thesis chair and dissertation committee really calm and ready for your dissertation. Who would you select if you could pick any comedian to warm up the crowd ahead of your monumental thesis dissertation, uh, dissertation? Mm. You know,
1: I think, (laughs) man, I there's so many wonderful people and I know you told me to be prepared and I'm still like thinking about it, but I think I would really love to have either like Nicole Byers or Michelle, I believe it's Bateau to open for me. not only do I feel like I identify with them as like, yes, I'm a flat, fat black woman, but they're hilarious. And I love them because they're just so unapologetic about themselves. And they're just like, this is me. Like, either you're going to take it or you're going to leave it, but I'm still going to live my life. And like, I'm thriving. Um, And so I I would love that, just that vibe before I come in. um, Because that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do, especially with um my outfits I always have like fire outfits when I give presentations and so I'm like trying to find like African print something or the other I'm I'm gonna go blonde again uh for my dissertation defense um and just like embody that um and just remind people like we're here we're loud but we also have fun at the same time and we are thriving um so I would definitely love for them to open uh for me
0: well thank you for that
1: yeah
2: that's a, that's a great answer. Um, man, I don't want to cut on, I think it might be Ian's turn actually, but I was just like, well, that's a great, that's a great answer. Um before we start wrapping up, I was just curious. So we so we talked about black in, in black in Immuno. You know, do you guys have anything coming up that you would like to uh promote? Uh in, in addition to that, is there anything else that you might be involved with that you would also like to promote? Um, The floor is definitely yours.
1: Yeah, so um, for Black and Immuno, our next Black and Immuno Week, I guess, what is this, 2022? Um, It's going to be the week after the American Thanksgiving. I can't remember the exact dates, um, but we are starting to plan for that. Um, Unfortunately, I I don't know what the theme is. But if we happen to send you emails, please respond, even if it's a no. (laughs) But then we'll put you on our list, um, because if you can't do it this year, as we say there's next year and there's a year after and the years year after um all oh, your books 10 years out it's okay we'll do you the 11th year don't worry about it <laughs> so we're doing that and i know we were also trying to work on a, a on a diversity series as well um where we were working with people that do diversity work um, to help um, help a lot of us do these things you know because we're scientists we're not really into like you know the laws of social justice and we don't maybe know what other people have done in the history behind it so we're trying to educate people so we're not trying to reinvent the wheel or you know do something that's already been done we can keep moving forward and make sure that what we're doing is actually impactful um the other organization that i'm going to uplift is also um, black and disabled in higher education um our month was this month um as part of black history month so that's going to be wrapping up Um, I guess tomorrow, Um, but we still plan on uplifting Black disabled voices um, and the work that we're doing. Um, I know uh, Disability Pride Month, I believe, is next month or the month after. I, I feel like okay. from now until like September, I'm partying hard because I identify with one of these months, so I always get them <laughs> mixed up. But, um, you know, we're still going to be amplifying these voices. We're, we're still going to be working together with, with other organizations um, and, and things like that. So, um, if you know somebody that's Black and disabled, if you think you know somebody that's Black and disabled, because you probably are, one in four American, will know one in four globally are actually disabled in some form or fashion, um, whether that be medically or socially. Um, and just being able to hear those voices and making the world accessible. Um, as I also say, until Black, disabled, trans women have full rights, like we aren't, like none of us are going to have full rights. Um, so just paying attention to those intersections. Um, and the voices that we uplift, um, but we're we're some cool people. Um, we're hilarious. <laughs> I was just actually before I got in here, we were we were having a whole chat just um, just dragging some situations and it was it was great. I was like, oh, you guys are amazing. <laughs> you know, um, so I would I would say those would definitely be the two organizations that I would uplift and and have you join us.'re we're, we're on Twitter for both of them. Um, exactly what our names are. So we're very easy to find. Um, and if you can't, then find my profile, which is literally just my name, um, Alexis S. Mobley. Um, and I have the links in my bio for you to join us. So um, I would love to see you guys um, interacting with us, having fun. And, you know, as as we get involved with other groups, we work, we, we are planning to work with other groups, um, especially Black and disabled and higher ed. Our goal there is to really help other Black and X groups be more accessible and work towards universal accessibility and and type of consulting in that fashion as well. So, um, you know, we're we're always open to help. Um, and if you come with uh, you know, pure intentions of, I don't know what I'm doing, which that's how I feel about <laughs> just about everything I do. But, um, we're happy to, um, you know, help you out and and help you navigate that space as well. So.
2: Do you guys have a Instagram? I saw it happen right my quick. For uh, any, please drop any any handles just on record so we can follow follow those as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely send that to you. Um, I have I have all the
0: deets, so <laughs> don't worry about that one. Um
3: sorry. <laughs> um so I guess my last thing to wrap up the show tonight too would be uh for all of our we usually ask every guest this um to drop three gems that you would give to any student, be it undergrad, graduate, um, almost out the door. What are your three life life tips to give to them? Um and yeah, anything that you could drop on them.
1: Okay, so now I have to get everything down to three. Um, (laughs) uh, So yeah, like I said, I think the one that I had to learn was uh, not right now. Um, Either no or not right now. Take that with you um, anywhere you go. Um, That one's gonna be wonderful. Um, The other gem, I would say be selfish um, and be unapologetically you. Um, Again, you are the best person to take care of yourself. Um, and that's all you can, all you can do. Um, I think the other one that I really like to tell people is whatever decision you made is the best decision. Um, you know, sometimes you make decisions and you look back and you're like, I regret that, but now you have more information and that moment you didn't, you did the best you could with what you had. Um, and so don't, don't regret it, learn from it. Um, and so I, I would say those would be, I think, the biggest three that you could use inside of science, outside of science, um, and just learn how to thrive um, with just those three.
0: Thank you for that.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Alexis, for joining the show today. It's been a, an amazing, amazing time. You dropped so many gems, and we appreciate you for all of those things, plus all the things, all the organizations that you're part of. You're, you definitely seem to have work-life balanced out pretty well, <laughs> at least from the outside looking in. So kudos to you and, and best wishes to you and your dissertation and your future aspirations. Uh, thank you for being part of SMDP too. So that's, that's how we, we connected. So thank yeah. you, shout out to SMDP for doing your thing to help us out and identify potential uh, opportunities in biotech and other fields. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining the show. And we look forward to seeing how you progress uh, after your dissertation and after you become Dr. Mo- Mobley and just follow your career. So definitely check her out on social media. We'll make sure we drop the uh, the handles and the show description once we publish the show. Uh, as always, catch us uh, as we post uh, episodes and uh, scientific spotlights on all of our social medias. as <laughs> Kofi. <laughs> Adding
2: in more new things to your edit. <laughs>
0: allow and me to also, be introduced myself. Uh,
3: uh, so. I have enough work to
2: do, so I just had to give him some more work to do. <laughs> of course, had to. Yeah.
3: And Dr. <laughs> Mobley, Dr. Mobley, don't forget to drop that link to your uh, dissertation so we can pull up and support you as well. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes.
1: It's going to be virtual. So yeah, we're, we're all going to turn up. I'm excited. Yes. Okay, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> What's up? Well, thank you so much. And you're listening to For the Culture Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. 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 Thanks for listening to For The Culture Podcast with your hosts, Ian, Kofi, and Lawrence. If you're new here, don't forget to click that subscribe button and follow us on social media. Help us grow by liking and sharing this episode with your family and friends. Hey, that's all for this episode. See you next time.